welcome to another episode of the Blackstock Triangle, an Arsenal podcast. I am your prodigal host, uh, Sean. Uh, it's been a bit for me. I apologize for that. Um, and I want to thank Alex, Nelly, and Wassam for really holding things down in my absence. We can talk about that if anybody wants to know what what happened. It's not personal. It was just work stuff. Uh, my semester was just an absolute killer last semester. Things have cleared up now. I hope to be back a little more often. Um, and I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you, anybody will consider that good news or bad news, but hopefully um, good news in light of how Arsenal have been playing recently. Maybe this is, maybe that, well, it's the silver lining for me that I get to talk about this. Uh, but with me today, uh, we've got Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm good, Sean. Welcome back. Well, thank you. Uh, and Nelly is with us also. How are you today, Nelly? I'm quite all right, Sean. Thanks for asking. Uh, anybody else experiencing the absolute miserable weather? Alex, it's summertime for you, so I don't want to hear about it. I was going to say, I think we are <laughs> over here where I am, it's probably about 30 degrees for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 days. <laughs> the weather in the UK is not good. It's been a, uh, it's been raining a lot. I hear it. The weather in central Ohio this morning, there was slush on the streets. Uh, it was about, I don't know, I'll try to do, I'll try to do Celsius. About two, I guess, Celsius this morning. It's 30, it was 35 Fahrenheit when I got up. There's slush all over the roads. Uh, the dog did not want to be out. It's just, it's raining. It's windy. It's awful. Uh, my advice is to don't to don't be in central Ohio right now. Uh, but we have other things to talk about. This is not your weather podcast. Uh, this is your Arsenal podcast. And so we have uh, to talk about that. Although, frankly, guys, the way that this team has been playing, maybe weather talk is preferable. What do you guys how – are, how are, where's your mindset right now? Well, I'm trying to cling on to the good times, which were only two weeks ago. So it's not that hard. but. We have, uh, we don't look like we might never score again. The way it's going. Yeah, I do. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's um, it's crazy. It's just crazy how our shooting, how how many of our forwards just have seemed to have hit, you know, lost their form. I mean, literally all of them. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. No, it's true. And the goal that we did score, the the Aston Villa goal. I don't think Saka knew anything about it, really. It just kind of hit him. And normally you think, well, you just need one to go in, and that sort of kicks everything into high gear. And it absolutely did not happen in that game. We've played games since. They've not gone well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, our most recent game, the FA Cup loss uh, to Liverpool, which everyone that I've seen, and, and I'll admit to not being fully plugged into the Arsenal verse sometimes uh, because I'm not on Twitter anymore. Um, I know a lot of people, including Arteta, had called us unlucky in that game. I'm just not sure that that's really the case anymore at this point, uh, whether it's luck or form or fatigue or, or whatever. Um, but it was another one of those really frustrating games where the chances were there and the finish or the final ball was not. Liverpool got theirs right in the end uh, and we end up losing that. And it really feels like it feels I, all of my references here are dated. I was going to say it feels like Groundhog Day. I don't know if anybody's seen that movie. Uh, it's, it's going to say it feels like a broken record. And like, I don't know if anybody listens to vinyl anymore. Pick a dated reference. It feels like the same thing pretty much over and over and over again right now. Yeah, you're not so, wrong. I mean, yeah. It, it feels like that Tom Cruise film, Live, Die, Repeat. That's a less dated reference. 
<laughs> and that makes sense because I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did think, not um, get. I did not get that reference. <laughs> uh, it's not dated enough for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, clearly, if it's yeah. not coming out of the late eighties, then apparently I'm not. I'm not getting it. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to date myself here. But I think I just did. Um, so yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Liverpool game. But this really, it's really lather, rinse, repeat there for another dated shampoo reference. Um, it feels it feels very much same right now in that sense. So what we're going to talk about and try to spend the rest of our time on is what needs to happen. We're, we're, we are in one of the two windows of the year where you can actually make a difference, you know, shake things up a little bit, although we all know the January windows is difficult. Uh, so we'll spend some time there talking about wants, needs, uh, rumors, those kinds of things. Uh, so let's start uh, briefly with uh, Liverpool. and. I'll admit I love the FA Cup. It's it's a trophy I really want to win. Frankly, I'll be honest with you. Given uh you know that I've only really been supporting Arsenal for, you know, the last 15 or so years, it's the only trophy I've seen us win. And we've, you know, we've had four of those in the time that I've been a fan. So obviously it's a it's a trophy that I love. It's a trophy that the club loves. Obviously having won it more than any other. Uh so let's first talk about before we get into the game, just sort of, uh, and we'll start with you, Nelly. Just how do you feel about the FA Cup in general and the FA Cup this year when it felt and still feels like we may have larger ambitions? So, how what was your mindset going into just the FA Cup competition this season? I mean, the FA Cup is the third most important trophy, isn't it? Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup in that order. And Arsenal uh, in recent years have been the best team in the FA Cup with the best team in the history of the competition as well. It's something we've always had um, over our rivals. It's something, you know, Tottenham haven't won the FA Cup in my lifetime. Right? There was, I saw the FA Cup fourth round draw and they had the player who had played in the last time Tottenham had won and he was a really old man. Because <laughs> he was an adult in the early 90s. And uh, which is when Tottenham last won it. So that hurts. I was also an ad- well, no, I guess not. I was almost an adult in the early nineties. So you're stabbing me in the heart. No, he was he was old enough to be a professional footballer in the early nineties. Okay. Um, and he so that it's gutting to be out of it this season. If we'd not lost the last couple of Premier League games. It wouldn't. It really wouldn't have bothered me. I would say we've got better ambitions, but our, at the kickoff of the Arsenal Liverpool game, our best chance of getting a major trophy this season was to win the FA Cup. It's more likely, I think, than the Premier League or the Champions League. And now we're out. And after a very kind of disheartening kind of game, maybe we were a bit unlucky, but we didn't. Sc- you didn't that Havertz and Gabriel missed their headers it isn't luck. Like you, they they didn't execute the move when we needed them to so it's it's gutting to be out of the FA Cup it was something I really thought we could win and we can't blame it on getting a good team in the first round because you've got to win you've always got to beat at least two or three good teams in the end to win the FA Cup even if you get an early third round so we can't blame it on that we just didn't do it on the day Alex where were you on this is this is this something that that 
I mean, it means a lot, I think, to a lot of us. Uh, but this season, did it maybe mean a little less? Does it hurt any differently to go out given the way that we've played the last couple of games? Or are you just like, let's just put it behind us. It's done, gone. I don't care. We're, we're still we're still competing for you know bigger honors. Well, I mean, look, for me, I want to try and win everything, but, you know, but it's obviously that doesn't really happen and it's never, never happened really, but you want to try to compete on all fronts. Um, so, yeah, look, for me, I, I definitely wanted to probably stay in it and obviously beating Liverpool, I think, would have been just, uh, I think if we had have beaten Liverpool, it might have maybe put a, a bit more of a, a bit more onus on the on the players, maybe a bit more belief, you know, considering how poor we have been. Um, so, you know, if you beat a team like Liverpool, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe we're now starting to find our feet a little bit. It gives a bit more confidence to some of the players. Um, but yeah, look, look, it's disappointing. Obviously, it is disappointing to get knocked out of the FA Cup. But and you know, I obviously agree with everything that you and Nelly have said. We have been the the most successful team in that competition. So I feel like. It, the onus is on us being that, that sort of, well, I can't think of really the word, but like those, so that sort of in that hierarchy of, we are the ones, we've the ones that wanted the most. So therefore you know, we have to represent kind of thing. Um, but you, you know, in, in some, I guess some weird way, we are obviously still in the Champions League, around a 16. We are still in with the chance of winning the Premier League, although it does not look good at the moment. Or looks, It's like we've made it a lot more difficult for ourselves and we haven't given ourselves much margin for error. Um, there is still hope this season. And I think in the balance of things, I think it was probably better that we got knocked out. But, you know, like I said, you still you want to try and win everything if you can. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it hurts to lose, right? I mean, there, there's no game that you walk into and go, yeah, I kind of hope we don't do it today. There are obviously games and losses that hurt less given, like I typically, I go into, you know, say, Carabao Cup or League Cup matches, very relaxed, because if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I've not seen us win that competition, and I'm not particularly bothered by not winning that competition. Yes. But yes, you want Obviously, you want to go in, you want to put in a performance, and I would I would add also, given what, what you all have said, that yes, because it's Liverpool, uh, it does mean a little bit more. You're playing Liverpool again at home in the league here in a few weeks. Would have been nice to sort of gain a little confidence, and I think maybe, uh, you know, ultimately, this game has an effect, does it, do you think, on the league game that comes up here in a couple of weeks and does a win in this game, would it have provided maybe a platform to go on and feel a little better about the league game uh, coming up here pretty quick? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, like I said, it just gives you that bit of extra confidence. You know, you beat them once, you think, okay, we'll beat them once. We can surely we can beat them again. Um, and the fact that we didn't obviously lose at Anfield would have made it even a bit better saying, thinking that, well, Liverpool haven't beaten us this season. So, you know. Uh, you got to come back to our place and try and do it. Uh, but obviously, now that they have beaten us at our at, at home, uh, it's, it, that might potentially give them the onus to come to our place and say, "Well, you know what? No, we're competing for the title, and uh, we're going to show you why." And that's you know, so you could look at it like that too. So yeah, it's um, 
it's it's slightly annoying, but we just Nelly mentioned it earlier. We just we dominate, but we have no end product at the moment. It's crazy. It's 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 honestly just unreal. Uh, in some of the, watching it, how we play at the moment, we just have we have so many chances that we just don't score, and we're in for a defensive midfielder apparently. Like it's just uh, I don't know. It's bizarre, but. It yeah I don't know I really don't know what more to add it's just so it's so strange it's so strange how you can have so many chances and not score like many if not any of them yeah definitely frustrating I think I saw one goal in the last forty one shots at the Emirates uh, for a combined xG of over six um, so I would agree that that's completely disheartening uh, let's go into the game here briefly like I said we've. It's been a few days anyway, and it's really an echo of some of the games that we've played recently. I think Bar Fulham, in which the performance uh, was pretty poor. Uh, Some chances early. Odegaard hits the crossbar uh, with a rocket of a shot. Um, I thought it was a really, like, like you said, Alex, bar the finishing, bar the final ball, bar the final act a pretty excellent first half. I felt really good for one of the first times uh, in the last several years. I didn't feel like every time Liverpool got the ball, they might score. I felt like it was a very controlled defensive performance. And I think some of that came down to Liverpool. I think they were attacking a lot slower uh, without Salah or Svasilai in the game. And so they really allowed us to get into our shape. And I think we're extremely difficult to break down when we're able to do that. Uh, So overall, I thought a pretty good first half, but the longer you went without scoring, the more it felt like this doesn't set up particularly well, right? Because we've already, you know, you're not scoring. You have an issue with not scoring recently. And all of a sudden, you know, the weight gets a little heavier and the weight gets a little heavier. And every shot you take, the weight's a little heavier, right? And so the longer we went without scoring, the worse it sort of felt for me. I don't know if that's how, and it's been that way for a few games now since it feels like uh, the scoring weight has, has sort of increased and the pressure to score without scoring has increased. Uh, so if anybody wants to talk about how you were feeling through the game as field started to tilt a little bit, it felt like they were moving downhill instead of us. They get a little more possession. They get a little more threat. Did it feel like the goal was coming? I guess. It, I feel I felt similar to you, Sean. That when we didn't score, it it kept adding pressure because we had a very good chance very early on, early on with Ramsdale's long ball to Reese Nelson, and he just took too many touches on it. Like he he was past last man. Allison was charging out at him, and then he took it very wide and couldn't score from there it's not his fault he couldn't get score from the angle he was at but he should have shot early he should have tried to chip the keeper or aim for the far corner when he had no defenders in front of him and I think it's systematic of a team that's struggling to score as you work too hard to get yourself a tap in when actually you just need to shoot and do that several times they can't all not go in and there were several times where it was the final ball I thought was there a few times maybe not as many times as I wanted it to be but the final ball was there a few times and the finish let down. Odegaard's one was very difficult. It came from a very good block from Canate, but uh, Havertz in the first half should have scored from a corner. 
and Reese Nelson should have forced a good save from Allison at least, rather than overplay it early on. And it's all side piling on as a team that you know really feel that we can't score. Uh, we're trying to overwork goal and then not getting anything from it. And that is how it's been the last the last few games. It's why we're not scoring. Not enough shots on target, given especially how many touches in the box Arsenal had. Arsenal had loads and loads of touches in the box, very few shots on target. Yeah, just to add to that. So this one thing that I think we're – well, one thing that I, I know we're kind of missing because it just seems so obvious because of Partey not being in the team. You know, Partey was a great ball progressor. And he was and he was able to progress the ball forward very quickly. And I feel like when I watch Arsenal, and look, this is no fault, I guess, to anyone, you know, but I don't I don't know if Rice has that same sort of passing progression. And I'm kind of talking mainly, you know, between an opposition's defenders and midfielders. Partey's ability to get the ball, turn and pass through that sort of first line, which is usually like the midfield, we we don't progress the ball as quickly as what we used to. And I'm saying that might be, I'm not saying that's Rice's fault or anyone's fault really, but it just feels like we don't progress the ball fast enough forward. Not just in, not just in general, I mean forward. Like actually getting your head up and pinging it into like an Odegaard or a Havertz or a, a Jesus or whoever and getting past that first I guess that the if it's a four five one if, if the opposition set up as a four five one getting past that sort of the five in midfield getting you know being able to basically take out half the team with like a single pass that's kind of what Partey did at least in some games last season which we're not we're not seeing right now so I don't know whether that's just due to you know a lack of skill set from some of these players that we've got or if that's just a lack of confidence I'm not sure one thing obviously Rice does do is he's, he's great at driving the ball into space. Um, and I'm not saying he doesn't have a great forward progressive pass, and I don't, I don't, and look, I don't know whether it's Arteta telling him not to do it. I'm not sure, but it just it felt it just feels like we're not progressing the ball quick enough in forward to attack. Yeah, and I, I agree with you that that Rice's skill set does not lend itself well to the, especially well to the line breaking pass. Which actually then makes it difficult when, not in this case, but when Havertz is playing in that left eight, because then that falls, you know, all of that sort of passing pressure falls on Odegaard, which makes him, you know, forces him to have to come back a little further. And so we've got carriers and maybe not necessarily the progressive passers in midfield. And so you don't have Zinchenko in this game. And so you lose another one of those. And yet we still manage to create some pretty good chances. Um so Wait, can I just again, add quickly, Sean? Sorry, not to interrupt you, man. I'll, so I just want to add to say something quickly. Based on what you just said there, it makes me wonder as to whether or not Partey was meant to be, or if, if Arteta was wanting to have Partey as a six and Rice as an eight the whole time. It's a good question. I think the the, the few times that we saw them play, it only right was was when. Party was playing in that right back role, which frustrated everyone and no one thought worked. But it almost felt like, you know, Party was the right-handed Zinchenko. And so we don't. What we don't know necessarily is when and if Party comes back, 
how that changes. Because I think what we saw was that Rice can play that left eight very effectively, I think. And so, Mikel, you're right. Mikel has some decisions to make. Again, if Party comes back, I know, you know, rumors aside, I, I you know, training, whatever. I, I think I dreamed the other night that he got hurt again. So maybe this is why I'm rather cynical about it. This has just happened so often now that it's, it's sort of invading my subconscious thoughts. Um, well, this is why. Oh, sorry. No, please go ahead. No, so this is why I think just to get uh, not to I guess skip to like transfer discussions, but I think this may be the reason why we're the rumors are that we're going in for Anana, because obviously I think I think Arteta, I think this recent injury to Thomas Partey has basically been the straw that's broken the camel's back, so to speak. I think I think Arteta's gone. Okay, enough's enough. Like I want to get in another six, um, so I can finally play Rice where I wanted to play him all along. Which was in the A position, um, and that means I can have Kai up top um, um, as a rotation for Jesus or something along those lines, so that we can do something differently, so we can cross balls into the box because you know Habits is a six foot four giant kind of thing. I'm just wondering if that's maybe part of what's happening here. Yeah, I think it's a good question, and frankly, we might as well move into the answer section since we seem to be heavily involved in the question section which is what does it take to actually start scoring more goals um, and so I think yeah there's no there's no real need to to dwell on Liverpool at this point they took their chances we didn't uh, we lost and we're out of the FA Cup there the good news is there are hopefully no real league implications for this so given that yesterday um depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, the most recent rumors surround Onana from Everton. Uh, lots of rumors going on yesterday. We had some of the uh, Arsenal ITK tracking shots of, I think his agent was in North London uh, and posted something on Instagram. So obviously everybody went nuts there. Uh, Nelly, and I'll, I'll throw this out to you. What What are we trying to accomplish? with this potential move and is it as Alex sort of implies here, is it potentially a chance to try and solve two problems in one? Well, I think if these rumors prove true, it, it will almost certainly be to allow rice to venture forwards more. Um, if we're going to be spending the kind of money we'd have to spend to sign Onana, in January, uh, I don't think Everton will want him to leave. I don't. I think they'll <clears throat> hold out for quite a lot of money for him. It must be because Arteta knows what he's doing. In general, Arteta's transfer business has proved good over his time at Arsenal. It, it must be because he feels that Onana will be able to defend and maybe not do the progressive pass, but to keep the ball and move it if laterally at least to allow Rice to. Um, do what he does best to keep the ball to defend as well <clears throat> and bring us into <clears throat> bring us into the game i don't know what arsenal need to do to start scoring I, I think they seem to be too frightened of failing to score i don't think they're taking enough shots i don't the quality of shots is one thing but you need if you're converting your shots at a lower at a lower percentage than you feel you should you need to take more shots not fewer and 
by particularly in that in the last couple of games, Arsenal have had quite a lot of opportunities where they've taken too many touches. I feel Kai Havertz, I don't want to slag Kai Havertz off too much. But in the Liverpool game there were quite a lot of times when he was in the box or close to it and he took like five or six touches and he, if he'd just taken one touch and shot, it might have gone in. If he'd done it three or four times in the game, one of them could have gone in. We need someone who's gonna take shots and Whilst I just said that Arteta's transfer business has been good, I think I was worried about this before the season started. I said it on one of our first episodes we ever did. Uh, I think letting Balogun go was a mistake. If Balogun was still at Arsenal, I think the solution we would have would be to start playing him. This is a really interesting question and does get us into some of these larger issues that I think are starting to creep up. Pardon me having to do with if we combine transfer business with contract decisions, then I think we can start to see where maybe some questions need to be, need to be asked of, of Arteta and Edu. In other words, Nelly, I think you hit right on the head, this question of you frame it in terms of keeping Balogun, which I think is the right way to frame it. I had almost, kind of forgotten that that was the decision between Balogun and Enkedia ultimately. Resigning Enkedia on significant wages, re-signing Reese Nelson on significant wages, and now we're at a point almost midway through the season, and it feels like neither of them are really trusted, which then puts additional pressure on Saka and Martinelli both of whom seem to be a little bit out of sorts, although I thought Martinelli looked really exciting when he came on in this in the Liverpool game. But when we combine that with some of the mid-range either misses or the ones where the jury's still out, so I'm talking about Kivior here, uh, Fabio Vieira, even David Raya, which I thought, by the way, we could, if we wanted to talk about you know interesting standouts from this game, I thought, as somebody has mentioned, I thought Ramsdale looked pretty good not just in his shot stopping, but in his distribution as well, which is, you know, the cudgel we've used to to beat on Ramsdale with. So some small mid-range decisions, and I think we could put Kai Havertz in there as well as not necessarily a flop, but as someone we're still sort of waiting on in, for the money. Yeah, Maybe think, we I mean, are at a situation, at a point where we need to start thinking about asking some questions. And so I'll just throw that out to, to both of you here. Yeah, look, I think I think um I think that's fair, to be honest with you. When you spend sixty five million pounds on a player, you know, that's still a lot of money. Um you know, albeit for a striker these days is probably not. I mean, I don't know if yeah, these days probably not, but um it is a lot of money for a player who, you know, had three years in the Premier League before he came to us and didn't really look like he was the answer. Um, so it's obviously, it is a very curious, it was a very curious transfer. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans were, had question marks about the decision to sign, to sign him. Um, just, you know, with the, I guess, the Balagun and Inkedia stuff, he, that's a tough one for me. I, I, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't think either Balagun or Inkedia are good enough. And, and that's just my opinion. Like, I don't, I think, Realistically, we probably should have sold in Kedia as well and bought someone else in that was, you know, I spoke about this last time we were on the pod. I think it was a, 
signing players that are level raisers, you know? Is Nketiah that guy? Not for me. I don't think he is. Um, and I would even argue that we should be trying to sign someone who's better than Jesus. I think Jesus should be a, you know, someone who we can have as a backup striker or a backup right winger to give, you know, so we can rotate with Saka or something like that. That's how I would view it. You know, if if, if we are, if if the Cronkays, if Arsenal as a football club is serious about trying to win Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues, then I feel like we have to be signing next level players and, you know, giving someone like Nketiah a new contract, a hundred grand a week, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't sing to me that, oh, we're, we're that serious. You know, signing a player like Kai Havertz doesn't give me that same feeling, you know? So uh, uh, for me, um, yeah, I, I'd be definitely questioning some of these, you know, contracts and these signings and saying, okay, well, you know, what's, what's the idea here? What, what, what are you trying to achieve by doing this? The, what piece of trans, pieces of transfer business that I'm most questionable of are, as mentioned, letting Balogun go and the signing of Havertz. I consider them kind of comparable. Havertz plays in a similar, he's not the same style of player, but he says he's in a similar position to Balogun. Uh, Nketiah's situation is slightly different. <clears throat> Whilst, yes, it is a lot of money to pay Nketiah and he's not quite good enough to be first choice for Arsenal. He's a very young player. He's Arsenal Academy. He's coming th- He's coming through. I don't think it would have been right to get rid of Nketiah just now. But to, uh, I feel Arsenal should have kept Balogun, not instead of selling him, and just not bought Havertz, particularly in hindsight. Alex said Balogun's not good enough. He's never played a Premier League game, so it's difficult to know. But the last season, the last full season that's played, he was the third highest scorer in the French League. I believe it was only Mbappe and Messi outscored him. So he's got goals in him. It's not exactly the same, the French League to the Premier League, but it's not entirely different either. He did get 20 goals in the French League last season. So I, I felt Kai Havertz isn't a 20-goal-a-season striker. Right? I don't think he's ever been, even in Germany, he's ever scored 20 goals a season. There aren't many players out there that, have scored 20 goals in one of the top five leagues in the last few years. It's a very short list of players and people who've achieved that. And when we needed a goal scorer to let one of those players leave and spend big money on a slightly unproven, yes, he shows a lot of potential player in Kai Havertz, uh, I felt was a mistake at the time. And I feel more it was more of a mistake now. Ar- Arsenal would have, I think, been better off this season if we'd kept and played Balogun and not purchased Kai Havertz with Eddie Nketiah still in rotation. I think Arteta might have... I think Arteta has slightly fallen into the trap of buying players that are versatile. I think, um, you know, Kai Havertz is a player that can play in multiple positions and I think for him, he looks at that as a, a really good quality, you know, the same with the likes of Ben White, and, you know, Zinchenko, like he, he he loves players that can be versatile. You know, look at Declan Rice, another player, very versatile, can be playing almost three positions, centre mid, defensive mid, centre back. Um, so I think that's, I think he's sort of maybe fallen into that trap where he's looked at Kai Havertz and he's gone, oh yeah, look, look at the versatility, we can play him in multiple positions. And yeah, I think it's, some, I wouldn't say it's backfired just yet. It's probably a bit too soon to say that. Um, but, yeah, 
it's uh, it, it's become very clear that Arteta does love to have versatility in his teams, um, and I think he's kind of fall into the trap with Havertz uh, in terms of that. Yeah, and I think on top of that, if you wanted to, if you if you ask me, you know, sort of where the issues of this team lie, I would say that we're in the middle of this season and the deficiencies in the squad are very similar to where they were last season. I feel like Arteta and Edu have mostly nailed the first 11 maybe the first 12 and then after that we've run it well we've run into some significant injury issues and so we're not at this point we're we're not giving either of them credit for timber who might have turned out to be you know one of the signings of the season if preseason meant anything and it certainly looked like that was going to be a successful one and that solves a number of interesting problems uh that we're currently at but at the same time it feels like there's not a lot of trust outside the first 11, 12, 13 guys right now. And that, again, puts the same pressure on the same points in the squad that we had last year in terms of, you know, Saka's still getting kicked off the park. Martinelli not scoring 15 goals so far and doesn't look like he's going to, you know, obviously because the start has been so rough. And so we're starting to run into the same deficiencies that we had previously. And so that's when you have to get into, okay, was the Kivior signing a good one? Was Fabio Vieira a good signing? And these are players that we've actually spent fairly hefty fees on. I mean, not hefty in, in terms of like what Osiman would cost or whatever, but when you're a team the squad or a club like Arsenal that does have to pay attention to things like FFP. And I think you can probably explain some of these decisions through a financial responsibility lens. And they start to make a little more sense. And there were decisions that needed to come good. Enkedia needed to be a smart contract re-sign. Reese Nelson needed to be a smart contract re-sign. And, and that's where I think we're running into some of those issues. And it's why I personally, despite how prevalent rumors, you know, have been over the last few days, I'm not sure we're doing any business in January. And, and I'm very skeptical of the idea that we're doing any substantial business. Onana was supposed to be rumored, you know, Everton wants 60 million or somewhere in that, in that neighborhood. I don't see us spending that kind of money without making some pretty significant sales, uh, which then create their own problems. I'm not sure that that we're going to find a way out of this through the transfer window is, I guess, what I'm really getting at. Because I don't think that we were set up to do so. Because I think we went big in the summer. We spent Think about how much money we actually spent in the summer. And I think a lot of us sort of accepted the idea at that time when everything still looked pretty rosy that that was the business and now that you know things are looking a little less rosy and now it's like well clearly we need some reinforcements i'm not sure a i'm not sure that the money is there to do that and b i'm not sure that we should be angry if that money's not there to do that given what we did 
in the summer. So your your objective, you know, thirty thousand foot view of the the team. Does it make sense for us to be demanding all these sorts of signings in January, or do you feel like it's reasonable to say? We did our business. We've gotten a little unlucky with the injuries. We've gotten a little unlucky with with hitting bad form. We're going to have to ride it out with what we've got, and that's a reasonable position. I mean, I'm not entirely sure exactly where we sit on the financial fair play meter. Right, and that's a good point too. We don't know. Yeah, that's fair. very complicated how that works. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure exactly where we sit. Um. I wouldn't say that Arsenal have underspent in the last couple of years, right? No matter, lots of fans like to criticise their owners and say that they're not spending enough. I don't think that'd be a fair thing to say of, of Arsenal's own, owners, Cronkay, and and the like. I think money has been made available. Lots of money has been spent. We spent, um, you know, Declan Rice, hundred and five million. Kai Havertz, sixty five million. Like we we spent big and bought players in. We we spent a lot more than we made through the sale of players. Um. But when you're looking at this team, over the last few weeks when we haven't been scoring, we haven't had. It's not like our all of our best attackers are out injured, right? Yet, yes, we you know Partey is out, Timber is out. Maybe we don't need if those players are going to be coming back at the towards for the rest of the season. We don't need to spend large money there. Maybe um, if we are going to be buying Anana, we've got to probably sell Vieira. He'll, he'll if we buy Anana. Once Partey comes back, Vieira will never play. So there's no point keeping him. But Yeah, he's not playing now. He's not playing exactly, he's not playing now with Partey out <laughs> Smith and Smith Rowe, maybe? Smith Rowe. So one yeah, so when you talk about contract news for players like Reese Nelson, Eddie and Ketia, it, it kinda makes financial sense because they're academy players, so we've not spent any money on a transfer fee for them. It's not. It's very expensive to buy players of their quality. And in if you were to sell them in terms of financial fair yeah. play, it's pure profit. Yeah, so it's worth keeping them on contract, even on expensive wages. Selling selling players like Eddie and Ketia, given and Reese Nelson would be a better example because Reese Nelson doesn't play much for Arsenal. Given that he is a pure profit, it'd be pure profit. He's homegrown, and given that there is a disproportionate expense attached to English players like Chris Nelson and Eddie and Ketia. Selling them makes sense. I think if Arsenal are serious about winning silverware this year, there's only two options left, which are the Premier League and the Champions League, the two hardest competitions in the world to win. We need a good striker. We need someone who will score 15 goals between now and the end of the season. And... If it can't be done with financial fair play and we have to ride it out for next season, so be it. But if we could sell Reese Nelson and Eddie and Ketia and buy a good striker, I think I think we should. Even if it's selling both of them, it, it could be worth it. Yeah, I think you could probably raise, you know, forty to fifty million just by selling the two of them. Maybe a and- little bit more, fifty-five. And and free up one hundred eighty grand a week in wages to pay the new striker. Yeah, and then not to mention as well, I think there's been talk about El Nenny going and Cedric Suarez. You know, I think El Nenny's on about fifty grand a week. Cedric Suarez, I, can't, I couldn't believe how much he was on. He's on like seventy five grand a week. So if you get rid of those two as well. You might not get a big fee for them, but you know, you free up those wages. You can almost sort of then say, okay, maybe we could structure a certain kind of deal 
to bring in someone that could give us, you know, like you said, those 15 goals from now until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I hate to be contrary about this. But my, my first question is, who plays the wings? Because Saka and Martinelli can't play every week, although they have been playing most every week. I still feel like... I still feel like winger is where we need to be going here. I think that you can, and I think that teams have won the Premier League without a completely prolific striker. You can, I mean, how many, although you could prove me wrong here because I don't have the exact number sitting in front of me, but if you're, what looks like we're trying to in some ways replicate on the forward line is the Liverpool season when they won the championship. And how many goals did Firmino score that season? I think that you can win a Premier League championship with this kind of setup. But you can't do that if you have two prolific wingers and then a bunch of guys that you kind of think might be wingers or that you feel like you can throw in there. And then you're really, you're you're writing your wingers so much that, that they're now, they're playing hurt. They're playing, you know, with Knox and they're those are the ones that you need to be healthy given the way that we've set up this team. I still feel like you can get by on what you have with striker given the way that this team is set up. What you cannot do and what we've sort of tried to do criminally, if you're not going to trust Reese Nelson, is that we haven't built any sort of winger depth. And you can tell from some of the rumors of, of players that we have tried to sign in the recent summer windows that that seems to be the direction we want to head. And I, I'm kind of on board with that. I think if you bring in a striker, it really it alters your system. And maybe you say that's necessary, and I can, I can get on board with that. I'm not sure if I'm signing one player this window, and again, I don't know that we're signing any. If I'm signing one player this window, it's a wing. Maybe a midfielder. Or maybe a fullback. You know what? I'm not sure I can narrow it down to one. <laughs> but I'm not sure not, that I, I'm not sure I'm going striker. So well, do, you, do you feel like if if we were to sign a striker that could play up top, we could then potentially use Jesus as rotation for someone like Saka? Yeah, I think you would. Ultimately, I think that that that's certainly true. As I said um, in the last one, if last episode. If I had one signing this window for Arsenal, it's a bit, a bit ambitious, but it would be Lewandowski. He's not been playing as well for Barcelona as people hoped he would. Proven goal scorer. It's ambitious, I grant you, but I feel that that's the signing we need to win the league. Some, is Robert Lewandowski. just like a loan? Yeah. That's, that I, I'm fed up of not winning the league. I want Robert Lewandowski <laughs> till the end of the season, win the league now. And deal with next season after when we're champions. I, I, again, I disagree, but it's a soft disagree. So <laughs> I think that's certainly a reasonable proposition. Uh, if so, what, if what kind asking, of winger would you? What kind of winger would you? Uh, like, like, what kind of winger do you have in mind that you think we should go get? I well, I would say Reese Nelson. It tends to play better on the left. Jesus tends to play better on the right. If you sign a striker, I think you're right that that Jesus probably uh, you know sort of spins out there and provides competition with 
uh, with Sacco. Ultimately, I would want to sign somebody who can do the things that Saka and Martinelli do and who would provide actual competition for them at those positions. If you're asking me names, I do not know. Um, even in my dreams, I don't really know what's, uh, what's out there in that, in the, in those positions. It's very difficult to see how any of the players that meet that criteria will not will be available for under a hundred million in January. Like if they've been playing better than Gabriel Martinelli, why would their club sell them? It's very hard to see. The the reason I stand by my Lewandowski one is that he hasn't been playing that well for Barcelona. He's a player of true pedigree. We've all seen what he can do, but he has been a bit underwhelming for Barcelona. So I think they, it could be possible to convince them to let him go. Whereas, if could we convince Barcelona to let Rafinha go? To, probably not. Could we get Vinicius Junior from Real Madrid? Uh, Mo Salah from Liverpool? To get wing, upgrade our wingers would be difficult. I feel. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think that I'm. I don't, I'm not sure that you can just come up with a clear upgrade on a winger on either of our wingers that's available. But you're also looking at. at two wingers that are starting that look like they're showing the mileage this season. And, you know, we've seen Martinelli has not really had a great season, at least not in terms of output. We've seen Saka whose numbers are what his numbers are. And I think they're very good, but who looks like he's one bad kick away from being out for three months. In fact, I feel like I feel like every game I see him limping enough that I start to fear for him in the next game. And I know, you know, he's obviously, you know, made of tougher stuff than that because he always seems to come back. But you're riding your luck there. The problem, not the problem. That's that's too strong a word. The question I have with someone like Lewandowski, right? Who's a player I've always kind of enjoyed watching is does that alter your system enough that you can no longer control possession and field tilt and all these types of things that, that seem to be the cornerstones of what Arteta wants to do. And so you have a prolific goal scorer who may not be getting the service that he requires because we no longer are able to control the game the way that we have been able to up to this point. If I had said we should sign um, Cristiano Ronaldo, I would have agreed. But I would have said no, but for vastly <clears throat> different reasons. Um, but Lewandowski is an all-round very good footballer. Like Whilst he is a goal scorer first and foremost, he's a technically very proficient player, also off the ball. Um, Lewandowski's first like five international caps all came playing at centre back. He, he's not a centre back, but he can tackle well enough to press the way Arteta wants us to press. He's got enough on the ball about him. He can drop deep as required. Um, uh, Lewandowski, he might change our system a bit, but he's he's a sim. I think he's a similar player to Kai Havertz. He's just a bit better at it, and he tends to not be asked to play deep in the same way because he scores more goals. I think their skill set's pretty similar, apart from Lewandowski's got a more clinical finish on him. 
Uh, I would say that it's ambitious, right? The the downside to this is that Barcelona aren't going to let him go. But if we did have Lewandowski, we could not really play Havertz anymore and have Lewandowski uh, up top and maybe play Havertz um, in in midfield, but not play him up top anymore. Uh, I don't think Lewandowski would change the system from particularly from how it worked was played against Liverpool with Havertz starting up top. And then he's also 35 years old. Another question yeah, in, that's or a, another issue entirely. That, that's the yeah. why I think it's a, it's a this season move. It's a this season move. It's not a long-term <laughs> sure. move. But trophies are forever. Exactly. Yeah, this yeah. This this would be like a short-term fix, you know, come in for like the next 6 months and just get us that trophy kind of thing. You know, that's that's what it would be. It would really, yeah. It would. It's not. It's not this isn't. It wouldn't be the long term fix for sure. Um, look, I, I, I can see it. I can definitely see where Nelly's coming from. But like you said, I, there's no way Barcelona are going to let him go. There's no way. And I'm not sure what incentive Lewandowski would have to do that. Why don't you just pick up and move from Spain to England for six months or for eighteen months? Like that doesn't make any sense either. But in terms of using him as a uh you know sort of the epitome of what you're looking for in a player i think it's reasonable nobody here saying yeah well, Lewandowski's the target yeah i understand I, I get what you're saying what you're both saying in terms of profile in terms of this is the epitome of the type of thing that we're looking for so yeah uh to anyone who might be listening be like these idiots think that Lewandowski is a legitimate target nobody's saying that let's be fair um but yeah, I understand what you're getting at. And I think that those are reasonable those are reasonable points. Um just quickly, I just want to quickly add, do you think it's maybe should we this is gonna sound odd, but do you think we should I guess in some way gear up for the summer transfer window? Should we should we make like let's say Crystal Palace come in and they slap 35 million pounds on the table for Eddie and Kedio, do we say, all right, look, we'll take it. Um, and then someone else comes in, you know, say Wolves come in for like Reese Nelson and they give us 20, 20, 25 mil. Do we say, okay, fine, look, we're going to take these transfers and we'll, we'll keep the money there. And then in the summer, we'll, we, we, we would have got rid of the wages. Obviously, El Nene will probably go, Suarez will probably go. Okay, cool. We've got a bit of space in the squad. Then all of a sudden, you know, Summer transfer window, first day. Okay, now we we go and we go big. Well, I'd be up if I'd be up for that if the going big was big enough. So, who 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 are we going to be? Get, who would we be getting then? Like we, I I won't even dare to say the name of that French player who's available um, in the summer because, but <laughs> but um. But I believe he's. I don't believe his contract situation. Last I heard, his contract situation still hasn't sorted out. I think he might be available for free. Wages would be very expensive, but he can pick whichever club he wants in the world. Why? Why would he come to Arsenal? Um, I figure we're just. I figure we're just working on the boss here since he's got six months left. Yeah, I'm sure um, we'll. I'm sure we'll be announcing that soon. Yeah, if he um the the dream is that he decides he wants to prove he's better than Holland, so he wants to play in the same league as him. Uh, <laughs> But that is, but that is a bit ambitious. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, right? 
letting Nketiah go and Reese Nelson go, they're both quite young players. Um, letting whilst selling them in January makes sense. You've got. I would need to ha- know who we're going to buy. We'd need to know who that target is, right? If you're going to say you're going to do all of that, if you're going to sell Nketiah, Nelson, free up fifty million, free up their 180 grand in wages, whatever it is, then another 120 grand in wages from El Nene and Suarez, and then pump all of that into a 400 grand a week um, offer for the French striker. Then, then maybe if he'll go for it. But I think it's it's easy to say, oh, we should get people in, but there are this squad is actually quite good, and it it's difficult to upgrade them realistically there are better strikers available than the ones we have um but i think that's i think that's all we can really do i think it'd be very difficult fullbacks maybe is an interesting one we spent big on kivio and i think given yeah, he's meant to be a reserve left back i think he's a good player and we've got timber coming back in our defense doesn't look that shaky given that our one of our best defenders one a very expensively purchased defender hasn't played a competitive game for us um i think our defense given that doesn't actually look very shaky uh, our current attack line whilst a couple of players may be carrying slight knocks pretty much everyone's been fit most of the game like jesus has missed a couple of games for injury martinelli missed one i think but it's not that we're struggling for fitness it's that if there are upgrades it's got to be there and to sell particularly in ketia without a replacement i think would be folly if we sold in ketia um and then Jesus got injured. We would be wind up play, having to play Havertz or Martinelli up front every game. It would make us predictable. I think in Ket- I would take money for Reese Nelson <clears throat> at this point, but not in Ketia. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, look, I, I do, I definitely do agree that if we if we do so in Ketia, then we'd have to know who we're going to bring in because yeah, like you said, if something happens to Jesus, which you know is, is very likely. He does been getting injured quite a bit, and then yeah, we're in a bit of we'll be, we'll be in a bit of strife. Um, yeah, I think he missed the Liverpool game because of a slight knee injury that yeah is currently yeah. being characterized as not serious. But I feel like we've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and that's and that's I guess part of the issue. Um, yeah, it's just it's tough. It's a tough situation that we're in at the moment. Like I think for me, it's a, it's always a question of in January, can you sign, especially in the position that we're in, right? Because we look like Nelly said, we're not a bad team. We have really good players. Are we in a bit of a trough at the moment? Yeah, sure. Okay, you know, when our front line don't seem to be clicking at the moment, but overall, our squad, or at least the you know fifteen, sixteen players that we've got. Some of them are injured right now, but you know, we've we've got a, a good team and we've got some really good players. Can we in January realistically go out there and get? And like I said, I said this before. Can we realistically get level raises? You know, because if we are going to actually try to improve, we can't just be signing anyone sort of like, you know, willy nilly. Like we have to we have to go out there and and get someone that is actually going to improve us. And because we are now a very good team. That means that those players are few and far between. You know, they're they just and then those players are going to cost a lot of money because we have a good we have a good team. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm not sure whether we can even get the players that are going to be those level raises that we need to really push us to that next level in January. 
Well, then on, I guess I'll pose one final question after. I would just say that if we could get money for Reese Nelson and Eddie and Kedia, which I'm not sure that you can because of the wages. And on top of that, they simply have not been playing recently. Now, and Kedia obviously played a lot uh, in the first part of the season. And I don't know that that did a whole lot for his value uh, because he was experiencing the same issues and form that much of the rest of the front line has. So if you're telling me that we could get real money for those, and I'm not sure that we could, I would be very tempted to do those deals if only because they don't seem to at this point be trusted, especially Reese Nelson. Reese Nelson should be playing more. If you signed him for that and you really trust that player, he should be playing more. And the fact that he's not says a little bit of something to me. And so, yeah, I think if somebody came in and actually offered you real money for him based on the wages he's currently getting, it's not going to take a pay cut. Then, yeah, I think I think that's when you do. Um, I would do the same with Enkedia. I would agree that you would absolutely. I mean, you don't sell two forwards when you're when you feel like <laughs> when you're not scoring goals, you feel like you might be short of forward if you don't have something uh, pretty well along in the pipeline. So. Um, I think you're probably right. We don't necessarily see that. So the last question I'll have then, based on what Alex has said here, uh, since we only really have one significant rumor at the moment, is Onana a level raiser for this team? No. Um, Onana's a decent player. He might. He's one of those players I think might gel well in, in into the Arsenal team, but he's a. He, he's a level equaliser at best, I think, Anana. I think he could slot in well and help out, but I don't think he's a level raiser, particularly not over Partey, who may well be returning to fitness quite soon. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's a level raiser. I think he's just, yeah, he's an equaliser probably. Uh, yeah, the thing is, there aren't many players like Thomas Partey, to tell you the truth, but he's just made a glass. Like it's, you know, he's literally just made a glass. It's nothing really we we can do. And I think he'll be one that we do sell in the summer. I think he'll be gone to either Saudi or somewhere else, Italy, I don't know. But yeah, we'll, we, he'll, he'll be gone and we'll have to try and probably replace him as well or get someone in to the squad that can... Um, I would be up... For, I player I would sell if, particularly if Saudi or if a Saudi club was up for it for big money is I would sell Partey now. All right, it can be difficult to sell players injured, but... Um, I would sell Partey right now if we could get a bit of money for him. I think I did see some rumors for Juventus, but I didn't know if that was in the summer or if that was in January. I've seen sort of vague rumors about him leaving in January um, and some vague rumors about going to Juventus, but I'm not sure if those were – I don't remember if those were in, in the same uh, in the same breath or if those were just sort of two separate rumors. Anybody have uh, – any new business – before we wrap up, anything else that we feel like we haven't covered? Well, can I just ask Nelly something real quickly? Yeah. If, if we were to sell Enketia and Nelson and get and, and it meant that we got Lewandowski on loan, would you do it? Yes. Oh, I'm, I could have answered that question for Nelly. Yeah, because that's, 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 that's a 
right right now, if we've been speaking about the future and all how good teams going to get their trust the process for years, that right there, that's a win the league right. That's a win the league this season move. I don't think it would help us win the Champions League because I believe he's cup tied, but it would. Um, that's a win the Premier League this season move, and I'm for it. Alex, would you do that? No, I wouldn't. I actually think I would, if only, again, because those two aren't really playing and contributing much right now anyway. So, you know, if that's the the contribution that they end up making, I would probably take that. Honestly, and this is going to, once again, sound crazy, but I would. I'd sell Enkedia and Nelson if it meant that we got Mbappe in the summer. <laughs> that's the that's, well, yeah, but would, uh, Alex. I hate to break it to you. Everybody would do that. You're crazy. How could you? How could you even? How could you entertain that idea? I'd sell. I'd uh, sell my own leg if it meant we could get Mbappe in the summer. That's, yeah. that's the hottest take we'll hear today. We have to. We. I think we have to end on that. You heard it here. We'll sell Enkedia and Nelson, but only. If that means we get Mbappe in the summer, that's a, a the boldest take of the year. All right, unless somebody else has something that can top that, we have to end there. The um the team in football that scores the most goals normally wins. <laughs> you can only get the analysis here. Uh, thank you to Alex. Thank you to Nelly. Uh, uh, that was fun. Uh, I'm thankful to be back. Uh, we will see you next time. We'll get uh, together again as soon as we can. Uh, we've got a little break. Don't play until uh, for 11 days, till January the 20th when we play Crystal Palace. Uh, so maybe we can uh, assemble and talk about maybe some more concrete rumors or maybe some wild out there rumors about a trade with PSG for Nelson and Enkedia for Mbappe now instead of waiting to the end of the summer. Uh, But we'll see you then. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Nelly. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, Sean.